You can be turning with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 is where we're going to be spending our time together this morning in God's Word. Don't, as you know, I, I know we kind of have a bunch of announcements, but those are important things. Don't forget about the deacon nominations and submit those to us. And, and um, you know, for all the men, I, I, I want you to be out there February 3rd for, for the men's breakfast. So bring your sons. It's, it's, uh, it's, all, it's all males. So um, bring your sons and, and we'll have a good time that morning listening to Justin. And so that'll be a, a great weekend. I'm excited about that. But mark your calendars now. Make sure that Make sure you're here for that. You'll get fed well. You'll, hear, you'll have a good time of fellowship, hear a good message, and we'll be challenged in God's Word. But um, As most of you are aware by now, we're in the middle of a, a four-week series to kick off this new year, dealing with the areas in which we're looking to grow in as a church this year. Because as I've stated, I believe that 2024 is set up to be a year of growth for us as a church. That's our theme, but it will only happen if we do things, do things the right way, prepare ourselves the right way, get things set up on the front, front end to do it the right way. And it all starts with leaders, so I went through the areas of growth that we need in leaders and how we need them to be purpose-driven and understand that this life is about the mission and something so much bigger than any of us individually. And then also to be principle-driven and lead with integrity and character and, and have that in place even before knowledge, it's more important to be the right person than to know the right things. And then leaders also need to be proactively driven and be willing to step up and be a worker and get things done according to their gifting and all within the structure and framework of the local church and local church leadership. And then last Sunday, we talked about the need for growth in laborers. And that's all of us because we're all called into the mission. It's not for a select few, that's for all of us. But to be the right type of laborers, we need to first understand the purpose behind what we do and why we do it, which is to share the Word of God with others, to evangelize, to make disciples, and then serve them in the love of Christ. And we do that based upon a, a, a biblical compassion, because we understand the purpose we have, and we understand the dire spiritual condition that exists in humanity. And that will start us through the process of seeing the need, praying for the laborers to be involved, and then realizing the answer to that prayer is you and me, that we are the answer. And so that's where we've been, looking at the, the need of growth in leaders, growth in laborers. But today we're going to take a, a more personal or intimate or internal look and begin to examine the ongoing character we're to have as believers in Jesus Christ and, and, and how we get that, where that really comes from. So today we're going to talk about the growth we need in listening. And what I mean by that is the ability and the desire and the obedience to listen to the Lord personally. And hearing from Him regularly and consistently. Because I think this is a, a, a missing element sometimes in our walk with Christ. And missing this key element to our walk with the Lord is dangerous. It's dangerous for us, especially those of us who are leaders and laborers. Because if you are a leader or a laborer in this church, then at some level, you'll, you'll recognize this with me, at some level your life is busy. It's probably very busy. And you have 
job responsibilities, maybe school responsibilities, you have family responsibilities of some sort, you probably have recreational responsibilities and, and what you're doing outside in the community, and then you have church responsibilities. And, and you need some downtime in there to just rest and re-energize yourself for everything that you have on your plate. And in that busyness, it, it seems that the, the, that the one thing that has a tendency to slip in our lives is hearing from the Lord and really listening to his timely direction and guidance in our life. And for many of us, it's, it's not that we neglect time with the Lord, right? For, for some people, of, of course that happens and they don't spend daily time with the Lord. But that's actually not true for many of us in here. There, there are many of us in here that do spend daily time with the Lord because we've just disciplined ourselves to do so. And as part of our schedule, we understand the necessity. But, but listen very carefully, because this is really where I'm going with this message today. That alone does not protect you from slipping in the area of listening to the Lord. Because sometimes we spend time with the Lord, but we're not really listening to what he has to say to us. And we're with him, but we're not there. And we're not hearing from him because we've allowed the busyness of everything in our life to maybe rob our focus, rob our attention, and the work that is required in listening to the Lord and truly seeking out what God's Word says about the situations in which we find ourselves on any particular day or any particular season of life. Or, and, you know, and I think this is probably true for all of us at, at, at different times, it's possible that, you know, if we were to be honest with ourselves, we, we really don't want to hear what the Lord has to say to us in any given moment, in any given situation that we're going through. We kind of want to do things our way. We want to figure things out our way. And we don't really care what the Lord has to say if truth be told. We would never admit that out loud. But, there, but sometimes that's, that's how we live our life. And so maybe we do spend time with the Lord and are in the Bible every day, but when we get hit with different things and the inevitable struggles of life, you know, we're not really in a spot where we're going to his word to gain insight on that particular issue. You know, maybe we're just, maybe we're spending time with the Lord, but we're not looking to obtain comfort on that particular issue like Romans 15.4 tells us is available. It's a great verse. says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, speaking of the Old Testament specifically, but whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You see, there's, there's comfort available. There's a promise available to, to, to provide comfort for the specific situations that we're in. We know from Lamentations chapter 3 that his mercies are new every morning. Right? Verses 22 and 23 says it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And those mercies that come through his compassions are, are specific. And they provide comfort for us. They provide hope for us. But, but many times we overlook them because we aren't really listening to God at that level. You see, what, what I'm talking about here, and I, put, and I put this on your outline sheet, kind of where we're focusing on. What I'm talking about here is not an issue of listening generally, but listening specifically. And specifically is the most important 
kind of listening. So, for example, let me, let me give you an example to help explain what I mean here. It's great to know what God is doing in the big picture of the world. It's actually important. It's important to understand prophecy, know what's going on with Israel. It's important to understand dispensations, premillennialism, all of that stuff. We teach it around here unapologetically and always will, at least as long as current leadership is in place. But it's because it's important. It's necessary to understand the Bible, to, to, to be able to put those things together, to be able to rightly divide the Bible. But, but you know what else is important? And, and in many ways even more important, is what, is God, what God is speaking to you today about your life and the decisions that you are making today. And I believe that's a risk for us in an area in which we need to grow, because we've all known believers that have a, a great handle on the Bible, can quote scripture after scripture after scripture, and yet their life is a mess, and their family is a mess, and they can't hold down a job, or whatever may be the case. And so they've spent time in the Word, there's no doubt about that. And they've listened to what the Lord has to say about and to everyone else. They just forgot to listen and take heed to what he was saying to them. And that cannot be us if we want to truly grow in the Lord. Because again, I'm, I'm going to say it every week. The growth I'm talking about, the growth I am praying for, that I want you praying with me, isn't about numbers. It doesn't have to do with attendance. It's spiritual, and it's about spiritual maturity. It's about our heart. It's doing things the right way. With the right heart. That is what matters. As 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, a verse many of us know, but the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, speaking of David, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Or speaking of Saul, I'm sorry. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So our focus this year needs to be on heart growth, because that's what the Lord is looking at. And heart growth will only come as we listen to him personally. And like I've already said, that the danger of getting this wrong, it, it, it is high for us. It is a danger for us. And that's exactly what we see in our text this morning in Hebrews chapter 3. So let's get into it and see what we can learn from the Lord today. Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to focus on verses 7 through 15. So follow along with me. The Bible says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time that we have to come together this morning just to hear from you. And, and so, Lord, that's, that's what we desire. Right? We don't, I don't have anything to say for myself, but, but Lord, we, I know that you want to speak to each and every one of us, starting with me and and going to everybody here that's listening. And so I pray that, I pray that you do that. 
And Lord, I pray that what's said is true to your word. I pray that you're honored through it, that, that you are glorified through this service, uh, this as we worship you, as we fellowship together as a body, and now as we get into your word and, and dive into what you have to say to us specifically today. So we ask you to do that very thing as only you can and let your word do the work that only it can do in our lives. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we get into the specific details of where we're going to go this morning, let, let me say a few words about the book of, book of Hebrews. Right? Hebrews, not surprisingly, is, is written to Hebrews. Right? I know, it's, it can be confusing. The Bible can be confusing at times. But, but that's Israel. That is the Jews. And so doctrinally and dis, even dispensationally, according to the canon order of Scripture, the book of Hebrews is written to the Jews in the tribulation period. So we can get into the quick trouble if, if we make, you know, strong doctrinal application to the church in this book, including in our passage this morning. So, for example, verse, verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 3 is a great example. It says, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And if we were to apply that verse, Hebrews 3.14, doctrinally to the church, we would be teaching that you could lose your salvation and we'd be teaching the doctrine of perseverance of the saints all at the same time. And both of those doctrines do not apply to the church, to us today. Now to the Jew and the tribulation, that's a different story. But today in the church age, we cannot lose our salvation. We are eternally secure in Christ. And the Calvinist doctrine of perseverance of the saints, that's heresy. So you have to be careful with, with this book, you have to be careful with passages like this. So, so know today that, that I'm not making these you know, strong doctrinal applications for the church. It was the same last week. We were in the book of Matthew. Those are transition books, as is the book of Acts. We've talked about that at length in our study through the book of Acts. But these are all books you just have to be careful with where much, most of the false doctrine we see out in the world comes from. But as we know, just because all of the Bible is not written to us, it's, it isn't. It's not all written to us. It absolutely is all written for us, including the book of Hebrews. And there's much we can learn from it. There's great devotional material that God can teach us in this book, including the passage we're going to study today. And in that passage, we see God's dealings with Israel during the time of Exodus being used as an example and a warning for those to come, certainly for those Jews that will be going through the tribulation, but then also devotionally for us today. Because in it, we see this just critical need to listen to the Lord, to hearken to his voice. And we see the risk associated with not doing that, with not listening to him. And therefore, we see why it's so important for us to grow in this area. So I want to begin by looking at those risks. This is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning, and then we'll do something a little bit different at the end. But we're going to spend most of our time looking at the risk of not listening to the Lord, specifically for us, what he's saying to us. And it starts with the risk of doubting. It starts with the risk of doubting. You see, when we don't consistently hear from God on a personal basis, even if we're reading his word, even if we're spending time every day, but we're not hearing him speak to us personally, we run the risk of getting to a place of doubting the Lord and, and doubting him in multiple ways. And you might not even really know that, that you're doubting. So, so let me explain this as we go through. But, 
but we, we can begin to doubt that, that he's accessible. We can begin to doubt that he cares. We can even begin to doubt that his word is really true. And that was part of Israel's problem described in verses 7 through 11. Look, look there with me again. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Now there are, there are many, many very interesting things going on in these verses. Very super interesting doctrinal implications that, that we're not going to get into. But I do want you to see some very specific things. So first of all, in this, this passage is quoting Psalm 95. It's, it, it's a quote of, of the 95th Psalm. And so you see that in verses 7 through 11, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Also, Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. So, so the 95th Psalm, verse 7 through 11 says, For he is our God, for we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. And as a, as, a, as a bit of a side note, not exactly a side note, but as a bit of a side note, this is one of, of many, actually, but one of the great comparisons of Scripture that prove inspiration, the, the doctrine of inspiration, how God inspired um, his word. Obviously, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, verse 21 specifically, say, states it explicitly. But, but Psalm 95, first of all, you, you, you kind of see the transition. You know, it says, today if you will hear his voice, there in verse, in verse 7 of Psalm 95, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts in the propagation, when your fathers tempted me. <laughs> so you see even the transition within that Psalm 95. It's David saying, if you hear his voice, and then it's God speaking. But Psalm 95 is quoted again in Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 7 of Hebrews 4 says, Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Okay, so here's how this is a great comparison of Scripture that proves inspiration. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says David wrote Psalm 95. In Hebrews 3, in our passage this morning, it said the Holy Ghost wrote Psalm 95. So which is it? Well, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, because of inspiration. The Holy Ghost inspired David to write the words he wrote, as he did every word in this book through multiple authors. And like I said, that's, it's a bit of a side note, but when it comes to our point of how not listening to the Lord leads to doubting him, there is some relevance. Because when we don't hear from him consistently, and when we really aren't listening for what he's going to say to us, it's very easy to lose sight of what we have in this book and what it actually is that we're holding in our hands. And even if we're reading it, if we're not listening to it, what it is that we're doing. We have the 
very words of God. Perfectly inspired and perfectly preserved for each one of us today. And God wants to use those very words in our life today. And yet we so easily take that for granted. And we so easily forget. You know, we, we use example, people use example a lot of times. You know, if Jesus walked through those back doors and he, and he came up here and he started talking to us, we'd be hanging on his every word. And yet that is exactly what he did. But too often we don't view his word that way. So we, you know, we'll apply it selectively because we're not personally hearing from him for what we need to hear today. So we just are looking at his word generally. So we get to apply what we want to apply. It's like, oh yeah, I like this verse, I don't like that verse. Maybe I'll do this, maybe I won't do that. We apply it selectively, we're not personally hearing from him, we brush over verses that are maybe too convicting. All the while, you know, we're quick to find verses that apply to everyone else. That's, you know, that's easy. That's easy for us to do, myself included. But listen, there's application for all of us. Every time, every time we get into his book, there's application for all of us, whether it's doctrinal, devotional, whatever it may be. Because back to Israel in the wilderness, since they refused to hear the Lord's voice, they started doubting him through a hardened heart. And according to verses 8 and 9, their doubts were shown in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness when they tempted God. Right, So they, had, they spent those 40 years in the wilderness, and they just consistently tempted him and doubted him and provoked him over and over again. Numbers 14, 22 tells us they tempted or provoked the Lord 10 times. We don't have time to go through all, all 10 of those. But every time it was because they didn't listen to what God had told them. So they doubted him. Numbers 14, verses 22 and 23 says, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and what? Have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land, which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. So ultimately, because they didn't hear from the Lord, they doubted the Lord. Because of that doubt, they provoked the Lord. And tempted him over and over and over. That was the provocation. Deuteronomy 9 and 7 says it this way. Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt. Until ye came into this place, you've been rebellious against the Lord. They provoked him over and over again because they would not listen. They would not listen to what he was telling them. So it caused them to doubt. And that doubt, that lack of faith, that unbelief, led to provoking, led to tempting. By the way, they also provoked Moses, according to Psalm 106.33. But, but one of those ten times, and I, I want to show you this, how that, how that not hearing from the Lord led to doubting, which led to provoking. Because I want to show you that out of one of those ten times that they did it. And one of them was in Exodus 17, where they were complaining about the lack of water in Rephidim. And in verse 2 of that chapter, the Bible says, Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and say, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide you with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? Listen, he's taking care of us up to this point. Why, why are you complaining about this? 
And then listen very closely to verse 7. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? See, Israel got to the point where they doubted whether the Lord was even with them. Like, is he, is he even among us or not? He just leave us out here on, 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 his, on our own. And this was after Jesus had just rescued them from Egypt by fantastic miracles, fantastic plagues that brought them out of bondage. Then he opened up the Red Sea for them, but closed it in time for Pharaoh's army to drown those that were chasing him. And then he dropped manna every morning, every day. He used a, a cloud and a pillar of fire to lead them by day, and then a pillar of fire to lead them by night to, to direct them. All the while leading them, guiding them through the wilderness as a very large group of people. And now they're saying... Is God among us or not? Like, what? Are you kidding me? And yet, we are in danger of that very same thing. We are them, and they are us. All that was written aforetime is for our learning. We're in danger of the very same thing, listen, when we do not hearken to his voice. When we do not hear what he is saying to us when we aren't listening even if we're spending time with him because that's the character of doubting it never has enough proof it's the character of doubting is never has enough proof but you do not need more proof my friend about whether god is real you do not need more proof about whether jesus is real you do not need more proof that God hates your sin, even though you might not hate it like you should. I know I don't. So we all need to come to the place in our life where we simply trust God enough. We are listening to him, because when we're listening to him, it's going to allow us to trust him, and we're going to know that he's real, so we're going to live our life accordingly. We're going to pattern our life according to the reality of a God, the reality of a Savior who died for our sins and who's called us into the mission. We'll live our life according to that because we're hearing it personally. We're not hearing it generally. We're not hearing him call the world. We're hearing him call us. You're hearing him call me. We're hearing him call you. And you respond personally. And then we, we hear personally that he, he hates my sin. He doesn't only hate the sin of, of, of the guy that I don't really like. No, he hates my sin because we all have it. And then we listen to that and we keep to what we know is truth. And we adhere to that even when it's not convenient. Because that's what we need. Because listen, as long as as you keep tempting God by not listening to him, you're never going to know when you've gone crazy. You see, we know that Israel was crazy. We look at Exodus 17, 7, and after all God did for them, now they're saying, is God even among us? It's craziness. And we can look back and we can see that we can read the whole story from beginning to end. And we can see that they were crazy and how ridiculous it was for them to doubt God. But they didn't see that. In that moment, that felt real. And we are them. 
And that's how this plays out so many times. People get so sideways and then they don't even know it. And they'll never really believe or understand that they're wrong. It's because they're doubting the truth of God's words, whether they listen, whether they know it or not, because they didn't really listen for what he was saying to them. So they know what to say. They know God's works, but they don't know his ways. They don't know what he's really trying to do. They don't know what was really important to him. That's what God said about Israel, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years, they watched him work over and over, perform miracle after miracle, manna every day, 40 years. But he says, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do err and they do an err in their heart. But listen to this. And they have not known my ways. They saw his works. Didn't know what he was doing. And then see how it applied to them. Because they didn't listen to him. They spent time with God. They just didn't hear from him personally. They weren't listening. They saw all the miracles, but still questioned if he was with them. And we run that same risk. We can be in church, even be involved, and completely miss what God is doing and what God is trying to say to us specifically in any given moment. So we need to make sure we grow in this area of hearing from the Lord and listening to Him because when doubts creep in, in any type of relationship, bad things are usually ahead. You know that personally, in personal relationships. When trust is broken and doubts creep in, it just usually leads to a bad spot. So let's listen to the Lord. We don't want that to happen with us. We don't want that to happen with the Lord. So let's listen to him, hear him speak to us personally this year so that we don't get to the spot where we're doubting him. Because doubting can then lead to the next risk, which is even worse. And that is the risk of departing. There's a risk of departing. And what I mean here is the risk of departing from ministering with us, departing and growing deeper in a relationship with the Lord and the plans he has for your life as a, as a laborer or a leader. That's what we see in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 3. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Okay, now again, there's a doctrinal application of this verse for the Jews in the tribulation that does not apply to us today. So for Christians in the church age that have an evil heart of unbelief, God will still save them. There's no departing from the living God for us in the doctrinal sense. Right? 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, we're part of the body of Christ, and he can't deny his own body. We've been sealed with the spirit of promise. So if you're saved, you're eternally secure. There is no doubt about that. But you can depart the faith. 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, in that the latter times shall some depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. You can depart from or, or forsake the assembly. You can depart from us. But you shouldn't do that, unless there's a biblical reason behind it. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 let us consider one another to provoke 
and to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And listen, as you think back over your time serving the Lord, how many people were here serving alongside you, but are now gone? And it's one thing to be, a gone, to be gone because they're, you know, attending another church serving the Lord, or they moved because of a job or whatever. That is a natural progression of life and even ministry. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who have departed the faith, those who have forsaken the assembly. And they're not going to church anywhere. They're not involved in ministry in any fashion. And they're now just living for themselves. And this may sound extreme, but but that too is a risk for us, for any of us. And you think, well, I mean, that may be a risk for some, but that could never happen to me. And to that, I just say you should take heed to Paul's warning. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, that says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, taketh heed lest he fall. All of this stuff is a risk for every single one of us. Especially if we are not hearing from the Lord. And we're not listening to him speak to us personally. Because listen, this isn't that, that type of departure isn't the only application of this point. Because for some, they don't leave. And they're still around. You still see them, you know, most Sundays. But they've departed from the word of God. And so they're still here. But that book does not run their life anymore. And at one time it did. But carnality has set in. So they might as well be gone. Because they departed the gate some time ago. And, and I think I put this on your outline sheet in some, in some fashion. But departing the word of God is the worst kind of departure. Departing the word of God for a Christian, that's the worst kind of departure. And men of God know that. So, for example, David, a man after God's own heart, he was concerned about this risk in his own life. That's what I said. It's a risk for all of us. Even David was concerned. And that concern is probably the main reason why he didn't depart from God's word. And, of, of course, that does not mean he was perfect. We know that David wasn't. David had his, you know, his, his issues, serious issues. He wasn't perfect, as are none of us. But he never departed from the word of God. That's what he said. That is the testimony of him in, the, in Scripture, even in the midst of, of him stumbling and messing up. Psalm 18, verses 21 and 22 says, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. Psalm 119, verses 101 and 102, he says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. And I don't know if you noticed in those verses the added description and definition to departing from God's word, but David said it's wicked to do so because it's an evil way. I said this is the worst thing. And unfortunately, there are times in our lives where, for all, at least for all practical purposes, we've departed from the word of God because we get to a place sometimes where it's, not a, it's no longer our sole source of truth. Right? And again, this, sometimes we don't even understand what's going on. But, but again, it's because 
We know the word of God generally, we just don't know it specifically. We don't know what he, what he said to us. So, so we're no longer listening to it at that level and living by what it says. Because when we know the truth, but, but then still ignore the truth, that, that's a problem. And, and we're great at justifying it, all of us. We're great at justifying, but I'm just telling you, God sees it as wickedness in an evil way. So what's the answer? The answer is listen to the Lord. What is he saying to you? That's what Proverbs 5, 7 says. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Hear me. Hear what I'm saying. And don't depart. And if you'll listen and you'll apply what I'm saying, you won't depart. We're to hear him, we're to listen to him, and we're to do it now because the longer you go not listening, the further away you will get. And carnality will take a deeper and deeper root. And you'll quit growing because you can't grow. Because you've departed from the word of God. That's one of the key distinctions of a carnal Christian in Corinth that Paul had to, had to rebuke. And we talked about that some last week. And so he called them babes. They weren't growing in Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.1 And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. They had quit growing. There was no growth in them. And that's why this is so important for us if we are going to grow this year. And, and growth should be what we strive for. It's just the natural, the natural progression of a healthy life. And so if you quit growing, you're in the process of departing. And that's true whether you're physically here or not. And for some believers, carnality resides in them. And sin has taken root in their life, and they don't even know it. And they've been fooled, and that brings us to our third risk of not listening to the Lord, and that's the risk of deception. Look at verse 13 in Hebrews chapter 3. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, so when we don't listen to the Lord, it leads to a hardened heart. And this hardened heart leads to these different things. And, and we can harden our heart through the deceitfulness of sin. And the word deceitfulness means delusion or trickery. Delusion or trickery. So, so sin can be tricky. And it's easy to slip into sin and be deceived by it and think that we're okay, but, but we're really not. Now, obviously, there, there are certain sins that we're all very clear on. Right? The Bible's very explicit. If you're participating in certain things, you know you are in sin. There's, you know, there's no way to even justify it, and there's no question about it. But there is this sneaky little verse in Romans 14, verse 23, and it says, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he is not a faith, for whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And so that's, that's a tricky little verse there. And the context of that verse is the liberty that we have in Christ, which which many people don't understand today. Because first of, all, first of all, liberty is personal. Those are personal choices that deal with your conscience before the Lord when areas that aren't explicitly outlined in Scripture. And, and so, you know, many times we think it's our job to help someone else with their liberty, but it's not because we don't know their conscience. That's why verse 22 of Romans 14, the verse immediately preceding what I just read says, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. 
So what we're not to do is to use our faith to then possibly cause our brother to sin. Your faith is your faith. And their faith is their faith. And you don't know the level of their faith. And if they are making decisions based on your faith and your conscience, that could get them in trouble. And, and, and this, is just, this just gets into this sort of Laodicean version of liberty that we have. And, it, and it's, it's, it's unbiblical most of the time. It's Laodicean. It's a, it's, it's a lack of understanding of what liberty in Christ is. And, and it's a problem. So don't be part of the problem because whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And so easily we can, we can fall into sin without knowing it. We can get others to fall into sin without knowing it. And we don't want that. We don't want people to get into sin because it's so destructive and it's so deceptive. But the fact is there are Christians who are being deceived all the time. And, and they're in some sort of sin and they don't even really understand it. They don't even really know it. Because sin does. It tries to mask itself. It lies, and then and, and you end up hardening your heart. When you're not listening to the Lord, you're not hearing it for you, you end up hardening your heart, and then you don't even really understand what's going on. And again, it's, it's because you're not listening to the Lord and his word. You're listening to others. So, so it gets back to what I, I talked about before. The word of God now is not your sole source of truth. right? So it is a source of truth, but it's not your sole source of truth. right? And so then you listen to others. Who, who maybe you respect and, and, and all that sort of thing, but, but they are leading you astray. And, or you're listening to this world and you're listening to, to what the world is saying and what human logic says versus the Word of God. And all of a sudden you're violating the Bible. You don't even really know it. You didn't do it on purpose. You just got deceived. And you end up and you're violating your own conscience. You've been deceived, you're not hearing what God is really saying. Because, again, going back to Romans 14, 23, it says, whatsoever is not a faith is sin, right? Okay, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Well, where does faith come from? Romans 10, 17 tells us. So then faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So when our... Our, our faith is built when we hear and then we, we respond to God's word. And so as God is speaking to us, I mean, that's how you manage liberty in Christ. It's, it's a personal thing. As God is speaking to you because you're spending time in his word, you're not listening to what other people are saying or what, you know, what your favorite internet preacher tells you. And, and then you're like, oh, well, he, you know, he's a smart guy. He must be right. That's crazy. No, because you are hearing from God's word and your faith is being built. And then that allows you to make the decisions you need to make. And whatever decisions someone else is making, that, that's between them and the Lord. So that's how, you, that's how you manage this. And it will work for you when you hear God's word and you respond to God's word and you live it out in your life. It's how you, this is how you can stop from being deceived. Because deception's out there. Sin is out there. People are out there that want to deceive you, and they probably don't even know it. They're not trying. But man, if you're, if you're letting that play in and, and get into your decisions, you're just going to get in trouble. 
This is 1 Thessalonians 2.13, a verse we use a lot around here. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you heard the word of, when, when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men. Again, it wasn't just, you didn't just receive what we had to say. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And that's true, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we need to live more like James told us to live. In James 1.9, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And, you know, and listen, we're, you know, we're just American, Laodicea, like we, we flip that. We are so, we are so quick to speak and, and, and slow to hear, but that's not, no, we're to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Or as God said to the, you know, all seven churches actually in Revelation 2 and 3, but for example, in Revelation 3.22, Laodicean church, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We're to hear what he has to say to us. So don't grow stagnant of hearing from the Lord through his word personally. It's so dangerous and it comes with so many risks. We need to grow in our listening this year and hear what the Lord is saying to us. And then do it. Or, or don't do it. O obey whatever it is he's telling you. Just, just don't ignore him. Because, because listen, here's the thing. The word of God is going to work one way in your life, whether you know it or not. If you're a believer, if you have the spirit of God in you, the word of God is going to work one way in your life or not. And one way is wonderful. And one way is very scary. <laughs> There's an old saying, I don't, know, I don't know the source, or I'd give him credit. I, I wish I'd come up with it, but I didn't. But it, it goes like this. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. So just think about that for a second. The exact same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. And here's the difference. The difference between those two materials, between the wax and the clay, is what's inside of them. So the question for us always what is inside of you? That's what you need to be asking yourself. Because that will determine if the word of God hardens your heart or softens it. What we do with the word of God in our life. Because if you will listen and apply, it will soften your heart. That's what God's looking for. God's looking at our heart. And if, if, if we will listen and we will hear what he has to say to us, and then we'll put it to work in our life and apply it, then God will soften us. But if we won't, if, if that no longer is our sole source of truth, and we have quit listening to what the Lord has to say to us, we might know what he says to everybody else. But we don't know what he says to us. Man, that, that's a, that's a two-edged sword, man. That is a dangerous book. And in the same way it'll soften your heart, you will harden your heart to what it says, and he'll let you do it. So don't fall into that trap. When you get there, you're on the road to deception. If you allow pride to, to reign in you, you know, that's, that's Obadiah th verse 3, the, the, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Now that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? And the, and the very scary thing about that verse is that if you live in pride in your heart long enough, to the point of deception, 
and you allow it to the point to where the pride in your heart has deceived you, you know, you're, you're getting close to the point that where you, you just might get the answer to that question of who shall bring you down to the ground. And you might not think that anyone can, but the Lord is capable of humbling his own. He really is. And, and we, you know, the law of sowing and reaping, we reap what we sow. It's Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived. Don't be deceived by this. Don't allow, you know, don't allow whatever it is to keep you fooled. Don't, and it may look like for a while that you're getting away with whatever you're getting away with. No, be not deceived. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You see, our decisions can lead to great blessing or it can lead to devastating consequences. It can lead to a softened heart or it can lead to a hardened heart. And that applies to both, for both us and others. So don't harden your heart to the point of deception. Listen to what the Lord is telling you. Spend time with him and truly hear what his word says for you. And according to this passage, there is no time to waste. And that brings us to this last very short, I know we only have a few minutes, but this will only take a few minutes. This short section of what I, what I, how I want to finish. I want to show you the three keys that we see in this passage to hearing from the Lord. We talked about the risk of not listening to the Lord. I, know I just want you to see how you should listen to him. And the first key is that you should listen to him with urgency. With urgency, because three times in verses 7, 12, and 15, the author of Hebrews says, the time to hear the Lord is today. Today. David and the Holy Ghost both said the same thing in Psalm 95, verse 7. So there's no time to waste because the longer you wait, the further off track you get. Listen, the Bible talks about our life being a course or a path. And if you start, you know, if you're going down a path and you somewhere along the line you get off course, the further you go, the longer you wait, the further away you get. And then it's harder to get back on course, on track, because you're further away. You have further to go. So there's never a better time. Listen, there's never a better time to get saved. There is never a better time to get right with the Lord than today. There just isn't. Why wait? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And he was quoting Isaiah 49 and verse 8. This is a theme in both Testaments. Don't delay. You do not know when you will no longer have the chance to get things right. I've told you time and time again, Praise the Lord. God is absolutely a chance of, a, a, a God of second chances and third chances and, and, and many more. But that doesn't mean you should abuse the grace of God. God forbid. Because even with multiple chances and being God, a God of, of multiple chances, you do need to know that at some point, there's a last chance. And today might be it. Today might be the last chance you have. To accept him as Savior. Today might be the last chance you have to make things right with him. 
So listen to the Lord today. Make it a matter of urgency. And then second, you should listen to the Lord with accountability. Verse 13, Hebrews 3 says, But exhort one another daily, what it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, we are to exhort one another. And exhort means to entreat or to encourage or even challenge. And so it's just the concept of accountability to God's word. And, and, and now we have to understand accountability is a two-way street. We can't force accountability on anyone. At the end of the day, I say this all the time, at the end of the day, you are as accountable as you want to be. I don't care what programs or processes you have in place. There's always a way around them if you don't want to be found out. So accountability is on the individual. But if you desire it, it's an effective biblical model. It's exhortation. We weren't designed to live our Christian life alone, right? We're a body. And as we share with each other what God is doing in our life and in our time with him, there is built-in exhortation and accountability in that. That's how God designed it. We're a body. According to Ephesians 4.16, we're fitly joined together. We are better together. And if we all would just start listening to the Lord and then sharing that amongst ourselves and praying together, you would not believe what God would do with that and with us. Talk about supernatural growth. If 2024 really is going to be a year of growth, that would do it right there, that alone. If we would hear from the Lord personally and we would come and we would share with each other and we would pray together, we would encourage each other and we would challenge each other in a, in, in, not in what our faith is, but just in what God is showing us and then allow God to work on other people and we would grow closer, we would grow deeper and God would get great glory from that. So we need, we need to hear from the Lord with urgency, with accountability, and then third, with consistency. Because as Hebrews 3.13 says, we are to exhort one another daily. And we can ex only exhort one another daily if we're hearing from the Lord daily. So there should be some level of consistency. And listen, maybe there are seasons that the Lord takes us through where it, it's quieter. And it's, uh, it's maybe a time of drought and we're not hearing. There are seasons in our life. Okay. But that doesn't mean daily shouldn't be the goal. It absolutely should be. As we talked about earlier, those mercies are new every morning. So our desire should be to get all that God has for us and not miss any of it. Why would you want to miss something that God has for you? Of course you shouldn't. So consistently hearing from him should be our heart's desire. And it should be your prayer. Man, we just, we just take... I, I'm just so afraid that we take for granted the time that we have with the Lord. And we don't use it productively or, we, you know, we don't use it personally. But I just want you to consider for a second the opportunity you have each day to connect with the creator of the universe, creator of everything, God Almighty. I mean, just think for a second. He wants to speak with you about you. And, and man, we miss that. And, and we're so resistant and we'll harden our heart because we don't want to change. And the, the least we can do is listen. Listen personally, not generally. The risks are too high not to. You run the risk of doubting, you run the risk of departing, you run the risk of being deceived. And all of those will not facilitate growth in your life. In fact, they will facilitate the opposite. So as we move into this new year, I mean, listen, we're already two-thirds of the way through the first month, as crazy as that is. 
Let's be sure to grow in our listening. This is the most important growth area for us this year. So this is when we have to get right. What is God saying to me? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. And as the praise team is coming up and, and getting set, just consider for a moment what God is speaking to you right now. What is he saying to you today? And if he's saying something to you today, don't let today go by without getting it right with him. And if, if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, man, you need to do that today. If there's never been a time in your life where you have placed your faith in what he did as a payment for your sins, and, and, and you don't even, if you don't even know what that means, we would love to explain to you how you can know for a fact and, and, and with surety today that if you were to die today that you'd spend an eternity with God in heaven. You can get that settled. And again, we won't give you our opinion. We'll show you out of God's word uh, what that says. And if you need to get right with the Lord, get right with him today. There's no time, there's no reason to wait. Get right with him today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for, for what you teach us. Each and, every, each and every day, each and every time we open it up, there's something for us. And, and we don't always get it because, you know, we all have our own set of issues and, and, um, and, and we don't always want to hear from you. And so help us in that. Help us to grow in, our area, in this area of listening to what you have to say. Be honored in our worship uh, of you as we close out this service and, and just the fellowship we have with one another because of your son. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.